welcome back to another episode of Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we look for people not to find themselves, but help create themselves. If you have the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try a few pixie dust sprinkles of those, you're on your way. And, as an added bonus today, we continue our conversation with the delightful and insightful Regina Honey Badger. So how is it in the ring when you're bouncing around, you're bouncing off the ropes, and I know that those 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 mats are hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you how did you feel after those matches? I mean, that's that's the thing of having good training. You know, we did not get to do any of the fun, fancy stuff. I think literally the first three months of my training was just the foundation, and it was building up the strength of the back and building up you know, our body to get conditioned for the cardio. And, um, luckily my trainers were, you know, very harsh, but fair about that. And it was like, you know, you didn't progress if you couldn't get past, you know, and, you know, I went through technically like two cycles of classes. I was a very, I was kind of the runt of the litter when, when it came to wrestling again, just because I, again, my own fault for not doing some of the stuff outside of training that I should have done. Um, but you know, they were very big on just making sure our foundations were strong and then we could start to build off of that. Well, you didn't give up and they didn't give up on you. They did not. I'm super grateful to Brandon and Dean and Crusher. They, they really, um, they really saw something and and they trusted me and they, they didn't, you know, just say, you know, okay, that's, let's move on to the, the real potential. So just in like real life, some of the people that you deal with, they can be acquaintances, uh, friends of commonality, uh, I always call then friends and bonded life companions. Uh, but when you're in the ring, I would probably suspect dealing with all those diverse personalities. There were probably people that you liked and there were probably people you dearly, um, wouldn't invite to a birthday party. <laughs> I would say that's fair. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely some lifelong friends I've gained through wrestling. And then, you know, there's people where it's like, oh, okay, it's like work, you know, it's just, be friendly co-workers and then move on with our day <laughs> yeah so when you when you were in the ring and, and wrestling did anyone ever throw you a curveball or you ever uh... i would say i've had challenges but again those kind of ended up being the best things to learn from you know like i, I remember one of my turning points in wrestling was i got to wrestle tessa blanchard and what's funny is in the wrestling sense and in the reality sense is she really, she really whooped me around the ring and it, but it was a wake up call of like, Oh, if I want to be at that level that someone like her is, I need to put it into, you know, fifth gear. Like we got to really ramp up what we're doing because it was that wake up call. And I feel like that's what some people struggle with is some people would have taken that and been like, okay, I, I can't do this. I need to move on. And, you know, for me, luckily, something in me was like, okay, like this is your wake up call, and you need to, you need to answer. So inside the ring, there's your skill and the performance that you're putting on in there, but just as important is the promotional type of aspect of Regina the Honey Badger outside the ring uh, when you're doing promos. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's um, it's really funny because for the most part, my character doesn't really talk. It's very, again, very primitive, very. Uh, simple, you know, um, and for promotion wise, it's, but it's the most fun because again, the character, you know, 
draws people's attention. You know, one of the best things my trainers taught me was they don't have to remember your name, but if they can, you know, mimic you or the kids are like, oh, that girl in the fur and she bit that other girl, you know, that's, that's something that they take away with them. I saw when you were coming into one match, you were, and the people were screaming for you <laughs> and you were giving each one of them a headbutt. <laughs> like a little, yeah, like a little initiation into the tribe as yeah, I called it. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was fun. <laughs> you definitely had a fan base. Yeah, I've I've definitely um I've made some like real friends through through fans. Um it's 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 hard to maintain that line sometimes, but there's been a couple who have trickled through who are just like real genuine good people who have supported me in and out of the ring. Um but yeah I, I love I really do love the fans. Like they they make it so fun and just, you know, professional wrestling really does have a, a magic about it that it's if you really harness it, it's it's just a great it's just a great tool to connect with people. However, what you were sharing earlier is you're transitioning. I am. So this is uh, going to be my last year wrestling. And I think it's just time to hang up the fur and move on to some other callings that are speaking to me. And how does one make that decision? So it, it was a very difficult one. Um, you know, I have this job um, that's very fulfilling. I, I love my day job, and it's really pulled me out of poverty. It's really brought me to new heights in giving me the means to create the future I want, you know, for my family. Uh, but I also, you know, do the other community work, and then I'm, I'm also really called to really kind of practice what I preach as far as finding my faith and finding a meaningful life. And the hard thing was I had to sit there and really look at the things that I spent my outside time on. And I love wrestling, but I just feel like I've kind of done and offered everything that I can. And there's a lot of great talent coming up. And it's one of those things where, you know, we talked about accountability and you have to have those hard conversations. And one of the hard conversations I had to have was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties. I've, I really think, you know, I've, my body has taken a little bit of a toll from the pandemic. Cause I really let my health go for a minute. You know, I just wasn't like, I gained a bunch of weight and I wasn't taking care of myself. And I think I'm feeling some of the effects from that, even though I've bounced back from it, but I have to look at my stock in wrestling and I totally understand where I fall in those rankings. And if I was a promoter and I want to put on the best show and I want, you know, butts and seats, you know, you have to kind of be realistic with yourself of like, well, if they could book, you know, someone like this who's on TV or someone who's, you know, a more active wrestler or has a bigger following, you know, I don't blame them for not booking me. So it was a combination of wanting to protect my time as a self-care you know, with my job, because my job isn't physically demanding, but it's very mentally demanding. And I have to do a lot of really regimented self-care routines to really make sure that I take care of my mental health. And, you know, one of the things that takes up the most time as far as, you know, my projects is pro wrestling. And I also can't preach about do it all or don't do it at all if I can't get the training two to three times a week. And if I can't dedicate my whole weekend. And, um, you know, and again, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being called to really lean into my faith and do more for my community, you know, cause for years I didn't, for years I was just a chaotic ball rolling through and not really, you know, just screaming into the ether and adding chaos in 
into, you know, not intentionally, but just adding chaos to other people's lives by not having my stuff together. So I'm trying to kind of pay my, my dues in a sense now, like we talk about that in wrestling and I'm trying to do that, um, in a social way by, you know, trying to undo some of the chaos that I did. There's a line in the promises, the, the ninth step promises that says, we do not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit both us and others. Exactly. We always talk about, in my practice, I always talk to people to impress upon them that time is the most important asset that they possess. And the beautiful thing about it is that they get to choose how to use it. I often refer to using time as currency. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Spend it like currency. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it comes down to, I mean, it, it sounds selfish, but my my time is valuable. You know, I'm I'm building a life, you know, with my partner and we're kind of moving into the next step with that. And you know, I I want to just I want to curate a home. I want to create this this simple peaceful life and it's kind of hard to do that when you got to, you know, be a feral badger on the weekends. <laughs> well, we always we always want people to get the return on their investment in their life. And there's a line by a fellow by the name of George O'Dare that says, uh, or George Adair that says, everything that we want is on the other side of fear. And that is 100% true. Um, everything that I thought I could never achieve, I've absolutely achieved by letting go of that fear and, um, you know, the, the saying, let go and let God. And I can't believe the difference it's it's made in my life so when we talk about holistic wellness we aren't talking about uh, voodoo or any of those type of things we're talking about the three things that it takes a plant to bloom regina uh, you know we're talking about water we're talking about soil and we're talking about sun so with the water we refer to that as taking care of your physical body and with the Soil, we're talking about the people, places, and things that you surround yourself with. And with the sun, I always use 12-step terms. We talk about the sunlight of the spirit, some type of a connection with something. So tell us about that journey of yours. Yeah, that one, um, that one's a tough one because, I mean, I, I literally have tattoos when I was in my, you know, resentment to God. And uh, which is also why I advocate now for not making uh, permanent physical changes until you're in your 30s <laughs> on your body. But for me, again, it was, you know, I talked about it earlier with just like, you know, I was handcrafting my own chaos and I really didn't have that good foundation or those. I had a lot of weeds and not a lot of flowers to have somebody directing me. And I think I was always looking for that, but I didn't know I was looking for it in the wrong places. And what's also funny about that is that, you know, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school for seven, eight years, something like that. And it really didn't resonate with me until I got older and was really kind of literally and, and, and spiritually alone. You know, I'd, I'd lost a lot of friends, again, through this journey of trying to be a better person to have a meaningful life. And that's scary when you lose. I mean, I've lost more friends and family through 
trying to find my order than when I was in my chaos. And that's a very scary thing that makes you second guess like all the progress you're making. It's like, well, you know, I know I'm making progress. I can feel it. I can feel like this burden on my soul lifting by these small changes I'm making every day. But now everybody's like, well, we're not really interested in that. We kind of liked you when you were this drunk, chaotic mess of a person who was always engaging in drama and stirring the pot and you know, then you try to back, like, you know, get away from that. And it's almost everybody goes like, oh, that's not interesting. Let's go look at the next, next chaotic mess. Well, and again, then they are not friends. What they would be as friends of commonality as you, as mm-hmm. long as you shared the commonality of drugs, alcohol, and chaos, mm-hmm. they were there. Yeah. There's a line in the, in the doctor's opinion, in the, my literature, that says unless one experiences an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of their recovery. And that's a change in our thoughts and a change in our actions. Yeah. And that's really where DMT and psychedelics broke through for me because, you know, and I know not everybody needs this, but I just think, I think the barriers that I had created, you know, from just things that had happened in my life and, you know, just where I had kind of found myself is I had really lost that connection with any sort of divine and psychedelics broke right through that for me and it really just connected me with God it made me realize how much I really had to live for because I was always very depressed always just you know you know thinking about suicide and wanting to it wasn't a physical suicide it was a social suicide of just wanting to disappear and not tell anybody where I went like that was my bag for a hot minute and they just broke that down and I really I really feel closest to to God and this really overwhelming sense of love when I use psychedelics. And that connection, you know, making me realize, you know, I'll I'll share a story. So, I had a really profound experience with DMT a couple years ago where I was I was laying there and I was in the middle of the trip and um my mom actually went through breast cancer. And at the time, you know, I was having these visions of her and, you know, things related to her breast cancer. And my ego was like, oh, well, you know, you're thinking about this because of what mom's going through. And the great thing about psychedelics is when they sense that ego creeping up, they're not afraid to kind of grab you by the collar. And that's what happened. And it grabbed me and pulled me down essentially into the darkness. And it's really where I got to first hear the mother ayahuasca's voice and connect with God. And my guide was asking me to like talk through what I was feeling. And it's very hard to describe like what you're going through in psychedelics. If you're not like, if you never experienced them, but I was just immersed in this ancient sense of love and this wisdom. And the spirit was saying to me, and this is, you know, like it's more uh, telepathic than like hearing it physically. And it was just saying, I'm begging you to trust me. I'm begging you to trust me that I will not disrespect my creation. And you are of the vine. And I will not abandon you. But you must not disrespect my creation either. And the download that I got a couple days later from that trip was that she wasn't only talking about respecting other people that maybe I don't get along with, you know, whether it's, you know, politically, socially, whatever it is, because they're still of 
the divine and the divine too. And I, and that's something I really have to integrate and I've been really striving for. And in, in the pursuing of truth, like that's, that's really hard to do on a day to day basis. But what really clicked for me in that was that she was also talking about myself. She's like, you can't disrespect my creation by disrespecting yourself. And the other download I got from that story was, you know, if, <clears throat> and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, but if this is it, if this is the ride, and when we're done, the lights go off, it's over, even if that's true, wouldn't you want to make this the most meaningful ride that you could with that one ticket you have? And that's where you just really got to, you really got to push through everything and again, pick up your suffering and bear it because if you don't have some sort of deep meaning, if you don't have some sort of faith, you know, it doesn't have to be God. It can be whatever fits where you are culturally, spiritually, whatever. But if you don't have that man, it's going to be a painful ride. And I, I really want people to understand that, you know, there you can change and you can have support and you can sacrifice everything you are to become who you can be. We're going to continue with our guest, Regina Honey Badger, on our next podcast. And a free prescription, my friends, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Please do a kindness for another and do a kindness for yourself. Forgive another and forgive yourself. If we are all not God's children, none of us are. Till all are free, none of us not a slave. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.